0: We got to cut loose and turn it up all the way Rock until you go Dance until your heart stops Rock until you We interrupt our program to bring you this important message
1: Hi, I'm Jackie, wanna play?
2: You know, it's Halloween I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare Be afraid No be
0: afraid. Be very
2: afraid. Ghouls and gore, and sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, gentlemen, what are what are we what are we sipping on tonight?
3: Um, I've got Chestnut Farms uh, Kentucky Bourbon.
4: Oh,
2: that's that nice. On delicious.
4: I brought uh, I brought my Willet to the studio courtesy okay, so, of Mr. So, Nelson
2: himself. Yeah, Brian. So that that uh, that whiskey that Stephen has that is my favorite rye whiskey. Okay, that is what because I know you asked me last time and I told you what I make the old fashions with, which is the the old overhaul. But like the sipping whiskey, that uh, will it uh, special family reserve um uh, oh my gosh it's just it's all got all sorts of bacon spices going on in that guy
3: oh i like all the bacon spices do you drink on oh no yeah you drink i've had drinks with you <laughs> wait a minute yeah you drink you're a total rush
1: gower uh i saw you shit faced at the alamo one time um the other alamo the one with the basement yes um yeah. Not as much as I used to. <laughs> like I had a couple of <laughs> years where I like, I became a professional and um, that was, uh, that was like three years, long time ago. That was, that was rough. Um, and I wasn't really a great drinker leading up to that, but those were like my, I'm going out and drinking years. Uh, All right. It was, it was a weird time. I was young thirties to like mid thirty like 30 to 33, 34. And my best friend from high school. I would moved back to LA and he was an agent at CAA. And then it was me. And so we would go out and it was just, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Um, I dated Jack Daniels for a while it was, it was, it was, and we broke up terribly. It was bad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but no, I, you know, in the last couple of years, I really don't drink that much. And um, I, I don't know if I've just lost my kind of vibe for it or lost my ability. I think it's an ability because it's like, I lost my ability to put them down. And, um, but every once in a while, you know, I like, I'll step on something. And um, if I do, it's usually, um, it's usually like an Irish with a lot of ice. And a lot of Perrier. <laughs> <But> I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an Irish and Perrier guy. So an uh, aristocrat. But, yes, um, <laughs> that totally ruins whiskey. Like, ruin, people that drink, they're like, "What are you doing?" Uh, okay, but you, but you mentioned whiskey. it was a whiskey thing, Mike. What is yours? What I'm you doing
2: uh, Heaven's Door tonight. This, this is, not is Heaven's the, Gate. Uh, okay, <laughs> this is the Bob Dylan stuff. Uh, he. Mm. This is the stuff oh. that he sponsors or yeah helps make or something like that this is a gift from my folks because they know that i partake in some whiskey i've been actually like introducing my dad to some like nicer whiskeys because he always you know gets like the ten dollar bottle and it's like i'm just gonna mix it with coke um, right
0: right. i know i know I've been,
2: that <laughs> yeah so but like he's been getting i've been getting him some of this some of the some some good stuff like we got this um this stuff called minor case uh minor case rye and that stuff is just it's it's super vibrant like when it hits you you're just kind of like but like it goes down so incredibly smooth so it's uh. like it's uh it's got a lot of good flavor but anyway yeah like, you guys know way fun. too
1: much about the you know way too much about it I, I know a little only because i've been i've actually been to Kentucky and i've been on some distillery tours and, and been to some cool places which is really neat um but brian you said it was whiskey i was like are we supposed to be drinking whiskey on the, you know tonight and i was like well i haven't had one in a while and the last time I've, I've had a bottle of whiskey for like three years and I haven't opened it because <laughs> I got it. I actually got it at the distillery the last time I was in Kentucky and I said, I'm going to wait for like a, a cool reason. And uh, Brian, I think you've met, have you met Henry? Have you met Henry McComas who made the doc with me? Yes. No, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought you yeah, met yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, Henry, when this fucker comes out, like not festival. Like that was cool. Cause we at festivals, you get your drink spot for you. But like when we actually release this thing, uh, we're going to pop open this pie. It's like, okay. tick tick tick, tick. <laughs> and we, had to, we had to wait almost two years because of, I think I told you some of the hubba blue and the stories about getting this fucking thing out. Yeah. And, uh, but I drove to LA the weekend. Cause I was in Vegas. I drove to LA and I stayed at Henry's place. Uh, and we broke open the, the, uh, the uh, Blantons, Ooh, I love, love you yes.
0: Blantons, yeah.
1: So that's uh, that's what that's what we broke open in hell October, yeah. and then so, like, I have a <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> so
3: I'll oh, have, I'll have a glass
1: with you guys, and it'll be. Uh, it'll, I'll, I sip, oh, good. I'll sip to it You guys, possible. cheers, cheers guys. look at all you, look at all you cool guys, neat, you know, whiskey, neat, and I've got a whole thing of ice in here. My dad, I learned came recently over.
4: that. Oh go ahead. Oh no you go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say that Blanton's um the tops are all different and have like letters so you can collect all the all the horses and they make they make stands for them and everything. It's so, uh
1: yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. it's it's a whole it's a whole thing. We um yeah. have you ever been to uh like uh, Lexington and distillery tour country and all that, right? Um, I haven't personally. You know, Blantons is an to. old brand, but um Buffalo Trace bought Blantons and then started making mm. them, right? And Buffalo Trace is a huge distillery, like big it's right. still kind of cool looking, but it's very uh I don't say corporate, but it's very kind of uh factory-ish, but it's still cool. Um but like makers and and all those other and uh um they have like they look like a modern science lab like in the, in the distillery. Oh, wow. The the coolest one is uh Woodford Reserve.
2: Oh, see, I'd if, love to go
1: there. That would be see, if I've really not been
2: on any of these things.
1: Yeah, so like. it's um they're actually kind of cool and I was even though I was technically, you know, kind of <laughs> I was <laughs> I was working to go to all these places but uh it's cool to see the different places. Woodford Reserve is definitely awesome because it's the only like single batch like they only do single batch And it's really small and it's tiny. They've expanded over the last 10 years, like with a patio and stuff, but it's like you drive off like the main road uh, and you got to go way down around a couple of farms and you go down toward, and you're like, you go down towards the Creek, which is where they get their water. And it's this old, two old stone buildings. And I mean, it looks like you walked back 150 years, like in a second. And uh, it's real, private and small it's still so cool to be a huge brand and they'd crank it out but it's uh, it's neat to, to get, get those tours anyway oh, that, was, that was cool yeah, yeah. no i
3: love, love that I, lo- I love the blantons my dad for some reason a few weeks ago came over and told me he's like hey i got this bottle of whiskey and i'm like okay what'd you get and he just like bam on the table one of those limited edition blantons Gold ones with the gold top, the 2430 oh, gold one. Yeah, I was yeah. like, mm, How did you score this? He's like, I know people. That's I all he people. said. I, know I go, people. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but no, the
3: gold I, uh, was really good.
1: I, I think my Blantons is cooler because like right now I go on binges of shows and 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 I don't watch them streaming, ironically. I watch them on broadcast late at night. <laughs> and right now they're just re- you know, they're just showing everything. And now I'm on uh I'm almost done. Like I've I've watched almost every episode of NCIS New Orleans. <laughs> right? You're on a <laughs> <there's>, roll there. <laughs> and there's all alway, there's always liquor in that show. And like Scott Bakula's like he's a Blanton's guy. I'm like, see, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> there you go.
4: That's
3: the way I'm not go cool in any
1: other like regard. But <laughs> I'm like, I gotta I gotta search for my coolness now because I'm just getting old and and out of shape and not cool anymore.
3: Oh, <laughs> you know, not true. I'm not I'm, true. I'm, work, I'm
1: working on that. I'm trying. to get, You know, let's see. You buff, I did, man. You buff. I, I didn't work out today because I took my mom to go get her second COVID vaccine shot. Oh, so,
3: congrats. I got nice. mine three days ago, my second vaccine three days ago. Oh, Very
1: cool. Very happy. Cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like what, have we yeah. been like podcasting this whole time? Like, Yeah, you- we just been oh, podcasting. Okay. This is, you know, welcome <laughs> like, to my what- bloody
3: podcast <laughs> <laughs> evening edition, triple X oh. midnight show. There's whiskey. Uh, we've got very special guests on the show tonight. Uh, we're drinking our our fantastic whiskeys, as you've heard. Um, I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by Mike P. Nelson, director of the recent Wrong, uh, wrong Turn remake. I've got Steven Lukacs, the... Uh, the amazing, legendary composer for the film also does the music for Sneaky Pete, The Americans, Flatliners, and he started out a little bit of the music for True Blood. Oh my gourd! And of course, joining us, the returning heavyweight champion from the Monster Squad in his latest doc, Wolfman's Got Nards, Andre Gower. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Oh Man.
1: <laughs> this is a good group. I like this group. We, all, yeah, you know, yeah. we are well rounded, and will probably be shit faced when we're done. But that's okay. <laughs> that's oh, the goal. That's cool. the goal. So yeah, I, I don't mean I, anything. So <laughs> I've had three. I've had three sips, and I can't see you anymore. So it's. Fun.
3: Oh, then we all get naked, I guess. I don't know.
1: I'm already, I'm already halfway there.
3: Oh, Donald Duck already. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so Great I got to, I got to start out with Steven. Stephen, talk to me. Uh, you're a multi-instrumentalist. Multi-instrum- Where did it start for you in music?
4: Like did, what was the first instrument you picked up and
3: what was the first song you learned?
4: Uh, first instrument was guitar. Um, my dad played guitar and like was in a you know a band when he was young and kind of continued it on to me and um first song i learned that's a really good question i think i don't know if i don't remember the song honestly but it was probably like james taylor or something that something that my dad played you know that he would just like naturally try to teach me but you know it's all like complex you know, finger picking stuff. And I probably just got really frustrated as like a nine year old trying to learn this stuff. But, um, yeah, guitar. I don't remember the first song, honestly. I mean, that, that stuff quickly, the, the James Taylor quickly went away as much as I love it now and transitioned into like the, you know, the rock and punk rock stuff. Of high school. Rock and
3: punk rock. So you were in bands yeah. in high school for, for yeah, the music for sure. itself or for, for, for the, for the women?
4: <laughs> can't say it was for the women unfortunately um yeah just the music at that That's point
3: right on and so at that point how many instruments do you play now
4: i mean i dabble in several um i would say i'm definitely one of those kind of jack of all trades master of none type things. <laughs> um i mean i play a little piano a little keyboard um bass some drums and percussion things and you know, there's, I, I do so much work on the computer that um uh so much so, sound design stuff and just production work is done on the computer that I think it's really like, it facilitates laziness when it comes to getting good at an instrument, because you just, you don't have to, you can fix so many mistakes on the computer or just, you know, record one guitar chord and then stop and record the next guitar chord. You never really need to learn every, anything that um, thoroughly anymore, so... I would say I've probably gotten worse at all of them the longer that I do this because I've gotten faster <laughs> using the computer. So, yeah. Pro yeah. Tools is
3: a good program for sure. <laughs>
4: yeah, I'm a I'm a logic guy.
3: Oh, you're the logic guy. All right, yeah. right on. And where yeah. was the transition to uh, composing for film?
4: You know, it was pretty late for me. I wish I could be one of those guys that was like, I saw this movie when I was... In third grade and like never forgot it but it was like it was actually probably like middle of college for me um I was doing a lot of like song production stuff in college um I didn't study music actually I studied business um but I was always doing song production and stuff on the side um and uh yeah I I wrote a lot of songs and made tracks that um were largely just instrumentals, you know, as I was really like, not lazy, but picky about lyrics and stuff. So I just had all these instrumental tracks laying around. And uh, one of my friends was listening to one and He was like, you know, your stuff sounds kind of like it could be in an action movie or something. And I was like, hmm. And he, uh, he was a big film score fan and gave me, you know, a bunch of tracks, bunch of just the big guys, Hans Zimmer and all that stuff. Um, and I really, from that point on, like dove deep into film scoring because I'd always loved film. And early on when I was super young, you know, dabbled with the idea of wanting to be an actor. And so this was kind of a perfect marrying of my interests in film and music. And um, yeah, that was it. Then I, you know, got in touch with some, you know, some um, film students and did some short films in college and some outside production companies and all that stuff. So that really, that was what the trigger was
3: Right. And so all of you could probably answer this. How important is music specifically to the horror genre? Because I think music in horror really amplifies and enhances whatever has been shown on screen and it goes hand in hand like a perfect marriage. What do you think? Because I mean, you're all filmmakers for at some point in time. What do you think?
4: Well, horror specifically, I think everyone could agree is pretty funny to watch without music. It's like... (laughs) It's just, it's, it's pretty necessary thing. I mean, silence is great too in certain circumstances, but, um, yeah, it's it's a big part of it, especially in horror.
1: I mean, I almost think it's more important in horror than maybe something else because every movie sounds bad. If you, you know, remove the score, we've all done, you know, we've all, (laughs) we've all experimented in that craziness, uh, or watch the YouTube video. Um, yeah. But I think, like what Stephen was saying, is it's it's certainly important because it sounds awful, or it looks awful, or sounds awful if you take it out. But you could actually take the visual; you could take the video out of a horror movie and just listen to it, and still have suspense and be scared. Because <laughs> I mean, music—you know—it it, you know it elicits it's it's the it's the most powerful thing to elicit emotion and, and feelings and stuff. I think, and that's why it's used so so well by you know really good artists on, on that realm which is you know a different world to me that's not i wish I was me i was just having this conversation a little while ago about not being musical i'm like <laughs> but, uh, i certainly enjoy it and i appreciate it and um i mean it's it's so powerful it's one of my favorite things is listening to music and and actually watching people perform music i love live performance of music because it's um it's just it fascinates me plus um I, I can't do it so i'm just envious of everybody because <laughs> i did everything else except for music and there's people that are like well i had to go and take piano lessons all my childhood and like i had to perform at the show and then i did it on a tv and now you got to go play sports and do all that cool shit and i was like yeah i guess it's a trade but you know i'd rather be playing music right now <laughs> and then but now now granted i it is an excuse like i'm just like i don't I should just learn something, right? I should take the time and be disciplined to practice and learn it. And guess what? I'm not. So that's okay.
4: <laughs> what do what you think? Yeah, it's always. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike, go ahead.
2: No, no keep, keep going. I, I, I got my thing whenever you're ready.
4: <laughs> oh no. I was just going to say, speaking of just, I mean, I'm still like learning instruments all the time and practicing them. And it's like, it's one of those things that you realize as you get older, you're like, damn i wish my parents would have really forced those piano lessons harder and like <laughs> i'm yeah. like i'm gonna be that parent that your kids hate for that because uh
1: yeah it's um well that's the that's the that's the weird thing um mike we'll get to you next week um the uh <laughs> oh, when you're with music if you start off young with one usually it's piano because then it's almost you know, it's very easy to pick up a lot of stuff that's what you know i've heard depends on the person uh but you have a base of knowledge and you got that foundation um, it, but I just didn't have, t- like, I was, I was just having this conversation with my mother because I'm at her house right now. Cause, uh, we took her to get her shot and then hanging out. So she doesn't like pass out or die. And, um, which my uncle did, her brother did a couple weeks ago after his second, t- he died that day. Uh, so we just, we're <laughs> like, <"What?" No. laughs> yeah, uh, she, no well, way. They, yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah. He was, he was 81, um, but that my mother's from a huge family. She has eleven brothers and one sister, and now there's only two left. It's her and Uncle Jimmy. So that's it. Uh, uncle Jerry died. Yeah, like two, two or three weeks ago. I'm sorry, uh, the the oh, evening right the right evening right. he got his second dose, he went upstairs to take a nap, and that was it. Um, but oh, wow. uh, yeah, I, that was my le- the uncle that I knew the least. Like no one knew him. He was kind of like the I'm too good for everybody. He was like a you know smart dude, athlete, like moved away and like never had anything to do with anybody but he was pretty He was pretty impressive um but yeah you know with music it's uh I didn't have the time like because you got to do it when you're a kid it's much easier to imprint something on a, on a kid brain we all know this and I mean I created a whole tv show about that concept <laughs> and it's uh yeah I, I wish I had been imprinted musically a little bit because you could go away from it and then pick it back up right I don't have that, <laughs> you know? And it's like, Argh! cause the only thing I've ever wanted to do is just stand there and play electric guitar and look fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice.
2: Um, well, yeah. So like, you know, talking just about the music and the, and the, the horror stuff, it's like, I mean, a perfect example of all that is just, Um. I mean, I remember when I was, I was getting tracks from Steven uh, for wrong turn. And I would just play them on my phone. You're going to hate, me. I would play them on my phone. Cause I was out somewhere, but I couldn't wait to get home and actually listen to them like, like a normal person. So I'd like, you know, turn it, I'd turn it up to, to like a, a good volume and I would just like stick it right into my ear just so I could like try to hear as much <laughs> of it nice. as I could. Um, and then I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And then I'd play it. in my, my son, uh, uh would sometimes be in the car with me, or we'd be out, or whatever. And then I'd start listening. I'm like, "Here, check this out." And he, I'd like have him listen to it. He'd be like, "Turn that off." Like he'd be like, "I'm scared." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, no, it's all good." But like, I mean, you know, just like you were saying, Andre, it's like sometimes you can literally strip away everything, and you can just have that sound. You know, those 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 strings that are just at that one tone. And I mean. I mean, you could even say that, you know, the the picture's still running. You could say that, you know, the room, the the lights turn off in a room. And as the audience, you are now in the dark with whatever character in their room. And there's silence, but then maybe you start to bring up that bed a little bit that starts to wind, and immediately you have a visceral response. You know what I mean? It's it's different for everybody. It's a different level of, of visceral response, but like... There's some sort of a visceral response happening when that starts to happen, and that screen could be pitch freaking black. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: music Mike, let's it. make that short. That sounds like a great <laughs> short where it's just a black screen, and Steven does music that just fills you with dread. I'll be in it. But you can't see me. I'll be. It. <laughs> nice. we, we can
2: we can say it starring Andre Gower. I mean, That's that, right. But we, we've ne- already we've already sold it. We've already sold it. Ne- you never
1: I don't know. I'll, I'll take that, but I don't know if you're getting anything. Oh yeah. Green like that. Uh, that's a great short. It's just black. It's just about the music and you go through a whole bunch of different, you know, emotions and mostly dread. And then you just get, you know, and then maybe there's like a, at the, at the last second or something. Like I go, but see, that's like a good six minute short of just black. Like people would sit there and watch it. Brian, we could get that at fantastic fest. That would be in. No, that would be in just
3: because it's kind of like the element of the first alien movie where you rarely see the alien, but it's that much scarier, you know? And with this, with like a pitch black movie with creepy music, you have no idea when
1: or where, how it's going to happen. Ooh, I got it, Mike. How about this? Or everybody. It's just me and Mike now. You guys are out. (laughs) Um, But, uh, okay, so it's a black room and there's like a pinhole. Or just a little bit of glowing light, and there's a guy stuck in this room, and obviously through, you know, the either the music, or he talks to himself, or, you know, dynamic noise, whatever, he's caught in this room, he can't get the fuck out. And the only, you know, you see him scrambling around, so we're telling the story with sounds and scrapes and bangings yep. and the music, and the only time you actually see the guys, which is me, of course, Um is when he crosses in that little glow, which is maybe down at the very bottom left, you know, one corner or a pinhole light or something. And that is it. And you yes. also don't know if someone is watching, you know, through infrared or what that would be creepy. And this guy can't get out. This I like this movie,
3: a genius movie. And yes, I have to I and, and uh, Steven can do this because I have to bring up I love in wrong turn, the kind of like the tribal and organic sounds. It's almost kind of like a really creepy haunted house, Tom Waits type of feel, but you bring in strings <laughs> that. that reminds me of the shining specifically on the track mountain climb, which is scary as all hell.
2: Oh yeah. That's the. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And so.
3: <laughs> I Mike think... was
2: there
4: for that one. He was oh, here. Oh my gosh.
2: I'm going to tell you right now like the, the 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 time that steven and i got to like you know I'm, steven got to be in this room all the time making these crazy sounds and i'm super jealous because it's so much fun but like when i was able to be i was able this is the room this is the room that we made the shit in right here and like when i was able to sit there and like we were just able to play around and he's got like all these instruments All he's got a giant bass he's got a cello laying on the floor he's got all these crazy moog keyboards on this one side and he's got all these things shakers and Hitters and whatever you want to call them, and we're just making sounds. And like you know, you just you like something gets in your mind, something gets in your head, and you're just not like, like you know, we starts messing with the bass, and we're just like, we're just kind of run, run rubbing across. And I'm like, and, and it's just like, like cr- crustier, grainier. Like, what is the word? What was I can't even remember the word we were we were like using that day, but it was just like to this point where like you just like you just like dig into as hard these, as you can and it was just like it w- wasn't like it would like fray the bow like like.
4: <laughs> yeah I mean the string starts to like vibrate against the neck of the bass and so it just creates this gnarly growl sound and and there's like there was a, it's it's funny too because there was a very specific um, like I probably recorded you know 20 of these growls and there was like two where Mike's like yep that's the one And that's the one, (laughs) you know, he knew specifically what he was looking for with the quality of these sounds, you know? Yeah. Mike is so, I mean, Mike, you can probably talk about it. I don't really know exactly, but you have, you've done like Foley and some other sound work previously. Right. So like he's very tuned into the very, the specific sounds of things to the point where like he got me someone who thinks about sounds and shit all day to be just you know i'd like set my phone down on a table and be like oh wow you know like <laughs> you know i was like hypersensitive to every little sound like thinking about what i could use or not and um, yeah it was uh, a lot of fun to really get in get in there in such like micro detail
3: it, yeah, b- so because
4: i'm <laughs> making
2: a movie right now guys
3: nice <laughs> i like this because mike you came from an audio background right
2: yeah uh artist stuff yep yeah so like when so when I was going to film school like that was the one that was one of the big things that I took away from that was a handful of my teachers just saying I know you all want to be directors and shooters but like let's be honest you you got to figure something out that something else that you like to do within you know filmmaking um if you want to like work within filmmaking and make some money while you're trying to do the (laughs) directing or the shooting thing and i really like sound like and so a lot of the films that i would do in 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 school were very sound you know centric like you know it was it was everything that I, that i did or shot was like okay i can do some really cool stuff with sound here i did a lot of fun experimentation with it and and so then when i got out um we, and we did this uh this feature film called summer school it was this this anthology thing um and i sound designed the film um, when we took it to this guy to get scored this Tom Hamilton, he was, uh, he, he said, yeah, I'd love to score this. It's this, this is a cool movie. And then it wasn't maybe a couple weeks later that I got a call from him and he's like, Mike, I'm looking for, a another, um, audio, audio guy here. And, uh, would you like a job? And I was like, Oh my God, they were right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah did that for about three years yeah and and I kind of went from like doing dialogue editing which I wasn't very good at I was okay but not nearly as good as the other guy that he ended up bringing in because I wasn't as good um but then I went on to do I did music editing which I actually was good at and then I became the the resident Foley artist and and Foley editor um and then you know went on to do some sound designing after that so it was fun times. A lot of, lot of wearing high heels and breaking stuff, and it was fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I think we segued, Brian, into we were talking about how important music or score is, because mm-hmm. it's technically the same, but it could be different. you have a soundtrack or a score, which is just as important. Um, but sound, to me, being in movies for, you know, at, you know, everyone on TV, and all, like, you don't really pay attention until you start learning what things are and how important. But to me, as a fair layman definitely on the technical stuff I just know what's good and what's not good what I like and not like sound to me as a filmmaker or to filmmaker sound is the most important thing in my mind you can have a you can have an okay movie and like maybe you didn't get the lighting right or like the shot so you can maybe cut it you know, but if you fuck up the sound and I'm talking like all your sound, like from your room noise to your dialogue, and it sounds bad and it sounds cheap. We've all seen these movies that look and sound, you know, they, they can look cheap, but if they sound cheap, it makes it worse. Yes. I'll watch a cheap looking movie, but if it sounds cheap, I got to go.
2: It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really, it is difficult.
1: And I, and I think that just proves what you and Stephen were saying earlier with music and score, how important it is. Sound overall is the most important thing in film to me totally yeah, I, I, re- I
2: often say it's 60 40 man like it, it i think it's you know it's uh you just yeah sorry sorry Stephen. i just
4: no yeah i remember like the first couple short films i did in college you know just made by film students i didn't i wasn't a film student so i didn't really know the process but i remember watching things just being like this doesn't you I know mean, like looks good but like it doesn't feel like a movie and like really <laughs> realizing that it was the sound you know you don't didn't realize at that point how much Foley and the sound effects and everything, how, how much is redone, how much, um, yeah, how big a role that plays. It's huge in terms of making it quality. Well,
2: it's so interesting. It's like, um, the, uh, so like, you know, going to film school and, and watching a lot of these, um, these student films, it's like, some of them could be visually just, you know, pretty, pretty great. But then they have a very, very thin soundtrack. And not thin like they're trying to, you know, make it like minimal because they want you to have a feeling. No, it's just they put like that wispy wind in the background that's not mixed in properly. (laughs) And, you know, they like add the canned footsteps when somebody walks in and you're just like, oh, man, like this movie looks so good. But it actually it makes it look it makes it look worse. It makes it look cheap (laughs) because of what you're hearing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's sort especially in I mean student films it's always hard I guess, right? I didn't go yeah. to film school. I wish I did. But oh. <laughs> I kind of I kind of did some sort of film school cuz I've been on set since I was 5. So I kind of like you absorb stuff and you you learn stuff when you don't know you're learning it. And then I was very inquisitive and and wanted to absorb info and like I hung out with crew like all the time. Like when I was a kid, I'd be like uh, I, w- I did a TV show on on Fox and was a brand new network. And if I wasn't riding my bike around the lot or playing basketball at the Paramount lot, like we used to play like three, we used to play like three on three, um, like Woody Harrelson and shit like that. I was, like, yeah, was and, uh, I was a kid; it was really fun. And because I was a, I don't think I was a, like I said, I was I played sports. I was a sports guy, and I played basketball in college and 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 after and stuff like that. So hoops is my game. But on, I would always hang out with grips. And, you know, prop guys and electricians and learn and try to learn what they did and learn what, you know, what this clamp was and, you know, what this filter was and, you know, here's a half and here's a full and, you know, here's a cord, and you know what the gels are and like you, you just you see this stuff all day long but then you're like I want to know what those like I understand it but what is it so it was almost like reverse learning on stuff, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating to me. But I never did a lot of post stuff, and that's where it's, that's where the magic actually happened. so I'm super jealous until I started making stuff and, and and being in that process and was like super like, "How do we do this? Like can we do this? Is this possible? Like I've had an experience, Stephen, where I actually hired a composer to do score to a nine and a half minute uh pilot episode spec that I made, <laughs> and you know I, I spent way too much money on, on a spec. <laughs> and uh I you know I, I luckily it wasn't all mine and but I ended up making this thing that looked and it sounded awesome and there's a fight scene and it's you know it's, it's crazy and wanted this kind of like you know cool score to go with the ominous and then it gets crazy in this fight scene and it, you know, it starts off with me and Seth Green talking and then a guy's in my house and we have like a two and a half minute fight scene so like, I saw
3: that you <laughs> showed me that on your phone At Fantastic oh did you watch Best? that
1: <laughs> oh, did you see that? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That. <laughs> I'm still, I got to get that back on the burner because I was doing a deal with that show at Lionsgate and then it fell through twice. <laughs> so after <laughs> like, I, after like 14 months of that TV show getting done, it didn't get done. And then I got into uh, short ends, the show I did at Nerdist and um, the documentary right after that. Yeah. So it was like,
3: well, now I'm curious, Andre, did you pick up on any of the music or score from monster squad and did that any of that translate into your own documentary wolfman's gotten nards
2: Oh my gosh man Bruce Broughton just like it, give, it right? <laughs> give it to me give <laughs> well,
1: yeah, it to me Yeah, shower me
2: and Bruce Broughton like his musical genius it's so good It but is God. good if
1: you, and if and what's great I'm sure Steven's you know whenever you watch Steven stuff it has a little Steven DNA in it right and um and that's what is awesome, but especially something like Bruce. If you watch Bruce Broughton movies, you're like, "Oh, this is a Bruce Broughton movie." <laughs> and
2: so- well, you know, what's so interesting? Okay, so like, uh, whenever we leave the house, we'll we turn the TV on, and we always turn on uh, this channel. Just that's called Movies. It's Minneapolis based. It's like channel nine point three. And it just plays movies all day, like everything, like everything from like the 30s to like the early 2000s. Oh,
1: my God. Can I move there?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's it's uh, you just never know what's going to come on. And usually, like, it's decent or like it's interesting or you've either and you, a lot of times you've never even heard of it. And so you you're just like, oh, this this is it. I've never heard of this movie before. And you sit down and you start watching. And it was really cool is when my five year old who like you would think would not want anything to do with a black and white movie. He at least knows what black and white movies are because kids his age, you sort of like, how come it's gray,
0: right.
2: <laughs> which is really funny. Um, But he'll sit down and he'll like watch like a noir movie with me, you know, not, not necessarily the whole thing, but like a good, like 20 <laughs> to 30 minutes of it and just kind of take it in and just, he's watching it and all the lighting. And it, it's just, it's really fun. In any case,
1: a lot of Foley in those old noir movies. Oh a lot my God. Foley. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, and what's, what's interesting is, so uh uh is it, it's Silverado.
1: Oh, my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time, and my favorite my favorite Western.
2: Yeah, and and so Silverado comes on and I can and like not I was not familiar that Bruce did the music for it. And I immediately start hearing this this it's this sound that he does, especially with his high strings.
1: Yeah, it's up here. Yeah, yep.
2: And, And and well like and and it's like he has this thing with like when he does that that like he does it in monster squad. He does it in silverado. In any case, I was like, gosh, this me and me being the, sort of this, like the way that I described things being a layman, I'm like, gosh, this, this music kind of sounds like monster squad. And then <laughs> I like immediately I, like, I pull up my phone and I like type in silverado and I'm like, Oh, it's because it's Bruce Vaughn. Okay. There we go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would, I you, you beat me to the punch. Cause I was going to say silverado when you mentioned Bruce, I was going to mention silverado before monster squad. Um, but you can put on uh like we were saying before um you can put on both those scores and know where you are in the movie if you I've seen Silverado like a thousand times and um god we all I've seen Monster Squad way too many times but or been around Monster Squad while it's playing yeah it's you can tell exactly where you are in the movie by listening to the score and there's only one other movie that I know exactly where that's Star Wars and um you know exactly. You didn't know that the score was telling a story <laughs> because it's there's never not any music. Almost like it's almost constant score behind everything, right? Yep. yep. And Silverado's fantastic. I mean, it's it, I mean, if we're talking, I mean, we're getting off a of, we're getting on westerns now, but I love that's my favorite western, and um, and it, you can definitely hear the 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 and that was the year before, I believe, uh, year before Monster Squad. So and Bruce is great. Um, I didn't know him until after. I think I met him at the premiere maybe or something. And then you see Uh him at, at, you know, at at events or you invite him to your 16th birthday party or something. And, uh, and then last time I saw him was a couple of years ago at creature features, which used to be a store in Burbank. And uh, they were, they were doing a signing of the score. Like they finally, a group put out the score.
0: Uh
1: (laughs) And so it was a, it was a, a CD of the score and it had the two songs. And because Monster Squad is multi-score and then it's got two of the lamest slash craziest songs you've ever heard. Dude, it's so good. (laughs) You know, by, by, you know, you have a a title, end title rap by Michael (laughs) like What is happening here? It's like, this is 1987. You couldn't have gotten like an actual rapper to do the rap. You got like Michael Bolton wasn't available. So you went to Michael Cimbello. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute oh my god funny
3: and did that translate to your doc like did you do a lot of the sound and music for it or come up with it
1: so this is very interesting has anybody seen the doc that we're talking i have not
2: seen it i haven't (laughs) seen
1: it okay so i won't get too specific with certain areas um and hopefully people that are listening have seen it if you haven't please please go rent it or buy it um because that's what it's all about it's the only reason we do this um (laughs) what was important on So, so the original idea with the doc, like, you know, the, the doc is really not, it's really, it's not even really about the monster squad. It's, and it's not about the making of, and it's not, um, it's not a where are they now. And it's not just that nostalgia jag where you just get like a shovel full of, you know, eighties, you know, nostalgia shoved down your throat. It it was, it's really about the story about a group of people, which happened to be Monster Squad fans that were impacted or affected by something that happened to be this film. And then it, we tried to make it broader of how, you know, things like movies or books or TV shows can, can impact someone's life. So we, we tried to get a little bit broader and have a different approach at it. And my original idea for score and soundtrack of Wolfman's got nards uh, was this, I said, I know some really rad bands and recording artists and i i don't know some that i want to know and and i know a little about like you know you had to learn you know licensing of other music and things like that. so it, it's much it's much cheaper to license a song and then re-record it than it is to actually license the actual recording from the artist that's that's known right we all know this really? um what i wanted to do was i wanted to get like five or six bands or artists that i knew and i already had most of them in my mind to re-record in whatever f- style they wanted to, both of those tracks, "Rock Until You Drop" and <laughs> yes. "The Monster Squad Rap," and I wanted to in whatever style they wanted—slow, fast, hard, punk, metal, ballad, whatever you wanted to do—and then that was going to be the. I was just that was just going to be the soundtrack to the dot, as, as we go through, uh, mixed in. You know, obviously needed some score and stuff. And that would have been awesome because then, as the you know, as the producer, but my producer mind, I said, oh, we can also sell that because that would be an amazing CD or like an amazing album. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> and look, I had some cool, I had some cool you know names that I wanted to re-record it. Like, uh, um, well, obviously Ryan, I wanted Ryan Lambert and I to do our own version, like Ryan playing and sing and I'm like I bang a tambourine or something, and uh, you know, because Ryan's a you know he's been in bands for years and he's a singer and a car- guitar player. And then I wanted uh, Jenny Lewis to do both. And then I wanted my favorite band of all time, which is Southern Culture on the Skids to do both. And then, you know, just a random smattering of stuff. And like, if we could have gotten like Stacy Ferguson to do it, Ryan, call up Stacey or something be like, hey, would you record these two songs? That would have just been awesome. And, and the ultimate, I wanted, uh, I wanted Foo Fighters to bang out Rock Until You Drop. In their own oh, just no, fucking thing, and I have a little. I don't have access to, to Foo Fighters. I've seen them, and they're my one of my favorite bands. Uh, but Dave Grohl is married to a girl that I went to high school with, and uh, no so way. that's my that's that's my only Kevin Bacon to, to Foo Fighters. <laughs> Except I might be better. Uh, I'm Brian. Did you warn these guys? I'm like the king of tangents when you podcast. <laughs> like I go I, off in these I, crazy fucking stories. Uh, like I said, Mike, we'll get to you next week. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so so backtrack like all the way to whatever year Alanis Morissette's album first dropped was that '97 or something? You want to know? Was that '97, '98, '99, whatever year? Yeah, it was, Jagged right? Little Pill. Yeah, yeah, ja- uh, uh, Jagged Little Pill. So she her first concert was on this tour, and she was playing this bar in Vegas, and I happened to be in Vegas for the summer, and I got a ticket at the grocery store through Ticketmaster to go to this bar to watch this last one because her, her video just dropped on Saturday. And this was like Sunday night. I was like, Oh, I'm going to go see. this. <laughs> and I, uh, me being me, you know, I got there like at seven and they don't go on until nine. And so I'm sitting in this bar and people start coming. I'm there for an hour by myself. And then like people start coming in. And these, these two, you know, I don't say older women, cause I think they were younger than I am now walk in and they're looking, it's crowded. And I was at a table, like a high top. I was like, are you guys looking for a place to sit? trust me, there's a payoff here. And they go, yeah, do you, I was like, you can sit with me. Absolutely. You don't mind sitting with me. Cause I'm by myself. I'm like, Oh, that's so nice. I just didn't want to stand the whole time. We're so excited. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. I was like, you don't look like the fan base of this artist, Alanis Morissette. And she goes, I'm so excited because my son is the drummer and this is his first like big gig and they're going on a tour. And it's like, this is his dream. And so I'm sitting with the drummer's mom and I'm like, this is cool. I'm in with the band now. And it gets even cooler because the drummer at that time was Taylor Hawkins. And so I sat at that last morning with Taylor Hawkins. So there's my other Foo Fighters kind of in. But anyway, I wanted... Um, That's okay Yeah, I wanted all of these cool artists to do these two songs. Um, that obviously did not happen. And that would, it was a budget and a time thing. And so what we ended up doing, Brian, to finally get around to answering your question is... Um, what was also important to me and to Henry was we didn't really want anybody, not only working production, because that ended up being pretty much that as well. But you're, you you don't show up on camera, you don't have comments in this documentary, or you don't have you're not a part of it. Uh, even crew that isn't that either wasn't a fan or in it or worked on it or impacted by this movie in some way, shape, or form. And so everybody that has a a, a touch on this film has some sort of connection to it and we were, you know, still kind of deciding how we're going to do that and how much money we had at the end, if we could hire someone like Steven to kind of do the score. And then we were on that 30th anniversary tour, Brian, you know, we did 17 Alamos and we were in Kansas city and I was, I just blanked on his name, but you know, we do the Q and a, we do the movie. It was me, Ryan and Ashley. And we go out in the lobby and sign autographs and take photos. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, Hey, you know, love, you know, big movie, you know, one of my favorites. Uh, I was like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a, you know, I make music and I compose and I, you know, I want to make, you know, mu- you know, m- you know, music for movies and tea. And I was like, that's amazing. I was like, send me some of your stuff. I want to hear it. You know, it's just kind of being that trying to be, you know, cool and maybe had some rad music. And he sent, he emailed me like three tracks and we're driving uh, out of town, out of Kansas. I can't remember where we're going. Um, and he emails me these tracks and I'm listening to them in the minivan while I'm driving Ryan and Ashley and her baby. <laughs> on this tour. her. And I'm like, Oh, this first song was kind of catchy. It was kind of like very, uh, had this cool female lead vocal, but it was kind of, it wasn't monster mashy, but it was sort of like monster mashy. And it was interesting, very dark and Gothic and, and kind of Halloweeny monstery. And then the second one was a little more broody. And then the third track was just instrumental and it was awesome. And I was like, Oh my God. And so I forwarded to Henry and he's in the other mini I was like, you've got to listen to this, get in touch with this guy. I want that song. We got to use this song in the documentary. Cause it's fantastic. And it had a lot of kind of that deep resonant, you know, kind of drone. I'm a, I'm a sucker for like drone, drone sound. You know, like that's why bagpipes are my favorite instrument. Cause I love the drone pipe. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just interesting. And his track was so rad and Henry got in touch with him and he was like, well, I have more stuff. He's like, send it to me. And so we picked at it. And uh, I, now I always feel bad because I I just blanked on his name um, to give him a little props, but he was from um, Memphis, I think. And he drove to Kansas to see us in that tour. So we used like three or four and he made some original shit, I believe for the doc and sent it to Henry. We got to use it. So most of his stuff is used and then looped in some, because we kind of set up and pay off and when use the same, you know, kind of same emotions we're getting into you know coming back on ideas in the documentary and then that's filled in with um two or three tracks from ryan lambert's bands so like i was saying uh, and then we i think we have like some some random Vanacore shit and they're just to fill in some kind of background stuff <laughs> right so some some free music um but that was it was important so it was using this guy who's actually a fan of monster squad made most of the score for the doc
4: so cool stuff that Gosh. that stuff oh, that he had already
1: had and then original stuff that he he said i'm gonna whip some stuff up see if you like it and we used it and then using ryan lambert's music from two of his bands from the uh, 90s and early 2000s uh so everything's just kind of connected so that's what we did with the score with uh, what we ended up doing the score with wolfman that's amazing cool. yeah. Gosh, what a I mean that
2: that is the that is the epitome of like the cool journey you know, to, 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 to get that, to get the music that, you know, you're not, you haven't quite found it yet. And then you just happen upon a guy who happens to be a fan. I mean, that is, it all just falls, it falls together sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's and some good. of
1: it's, I mean, it's all great. The stuff that I really liked. And then that Henry's putting in a first cut. Cause I just kept going back to this hard kind of drone. Cause some of our stuff in the doc, grind, if you remember, it's, it's a little emotional and like with some of the interviews, like with Fred, like we'll, like we'll stay on a per, it will stay on someone a, a second or a breath longer, and it, and it kind of hits, you know, it, it kind of lands. Yeah. And um, that was my impressive directorial input. You know, there's a couple of times I was like, let's stay on that just a little bit longer. Yeah, and, a little, did, little um, sizzle. sizzle let's just, let it sizzle, just let a, it sizzle. just a little bit. Sizzle. Sit there one more breath with Fred or one more breath with you know, this person or that person. And in our first cut, like our, I have a studio partner in in the Doc Pilgrim Media Group, and like we. Played some rough cut and played this and I just kept going back to like we kept putting this like hardcore these drones was like, and they're like, eh, we don't like that. And I was like, too bad I have final cut. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't make the deal. <laughs> it's like you're going play like music. Uh so we kind of we kind of met in the middle and we we took some of it out. And, but it, it was a lot of it. It, it. Hopefully it was probably the right decision. But I was like, more drones.
4: <laughs> That's good.
1: 20. That's good. Yeah. a good drone can get you a lot of
4: mileage yeah it's yeah it's I good it. steven how did you meet mike so i met mike um so before let's see when was it probably four or five years ago i was still working for um, a composer named nathan barr um I worked for Nate for like five years and that's um like you mentioned the Americans and True Blood and stuff and that was all Nate scored all of those and so I was you know helping on those things um and uh yeah Nate um scored Mike's first movie The Domestics and so I was working for Nate when they were doing that and we were all in the same room together hanging out and um yeah I think um you know, when, when, when Wrong Turn came about, Mike naturally reached out to Nate, and Nate was busy. And so he was like, hey, you remember Steven? And Mike
2: was like, oh, yeah. So I sent him some music, and yeah. Well, and and what was cool is um, there were three tracks that you kind of helmed on Domestics, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Like, you kind of yep. – you you are you, they were kind of your – we'll call them your children uh, of, of the, for sure. the 20, yeah, yeah. 26 or 28 tracks that there were on the thing. And um, I remember one of my favorite ones was because I remember when we were, we were messing with um, the, the track for the, uh, the Willie and the big. Oh yeah. Sequence. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't, something just wasn't feeling right. And I kind I, of, could, I could hear it, but it just like, nothing wasn't, wasn't working. And I remember, you know, I think, I can't remember. I think it was Nate just saying like, you know, or maybe 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 we'll let Steven take a stab at this or something like that, or I can't remember if, if if anything was even said, but I remember coming back up to to Nate's place um out in Topanga and listening to that track, and then you know he was like, "Yeah, Steven did that." <laughs> and I was like, "This is so awesome. It's, it's again, it's just you just you were able to like really like I wanted this super minimalistic red." That just had this 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 carry through that you know that that high sound that was just uncomfortable that kind of made the hairs stand up on the back of your neck because that's what the scene that you're watching should be doing that and like you're just like and then how you and then of course like we cut all the way to different scenes we use some of the Betsy theme and so sort of but like everything like how you like brought all that stuff together like immediately when Nate you know recommended you for this that was the track I remember going to that track and being like yeah that's right he did that and that was one of my favorites and then i remember hearing some of the other stuff that we actually we were using for that promotional trailer on oh, fm yeah. and and that stuff that, how it fits so well and then we started having the discussion about some of those sounds and like it just it, it just it just fit and and you know again plus we just had all we just had so much i'm from wisconsin fun too so we had
3: that you know midwestern, yeah, Midwest. midwestern yeah yeah <laughs> That's, yeah, that's that's good true. and I, I i basically i just reviewed the blu-ray i got the blu-ray for a wrong turn and i actually liked the promotional trailer because it's kind of like epk meets a trailer yeah. with like the interviews and then like a trailer for the movie like it was a yeah you know, i don't see that too much uh, on the blu-ray stuff but that was pretty cool
2: yeah that was something I, that like i we, got to pick we, it up myself yeah and, and it was just it was fun to to be able to put something like that on the um on the disc like I was never expecting that but that was just uh it was a fun little piece that I got to you know I, I was able to cut on some of that and like so it's you know fun to have like a little bit of cutting that's that's on the disc too and
3: yeah and um, in, in your in your uh, commentary track Mike was great uh oh my gosh I liked
2: oh my gosh I'm telling you right now like
3: That was your first commentary track, right? Because you mentioned that in the beginning, that it's your first time (laughs) ever doing a commentary track, but you're really giddy about it.
2: I was so, (laughs) I was like, I was terrified, like I was terrified, but so excited at the same time. I remember doing it with the guy, like the guy, he was very patient, very kind recording this thing and i just remember being like okay i think i got this like and i remember like i had written some things down to just like to get me going but then after that everything like the page just kind of went away and i just it was just vomiting things as things came on on the thing and and that's 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 where it became fun you know it was, no, it was just it was just connecting with what was going on and remembering stuff that we did that day and the, the problems that we had and and this was so cool. And uh, we, we had an NC-17 and we had to knock it down to art. Like there were all these fun things that like we, that, that were fun to, to, to draw up again. So.
3: No, that's good. That's good. Um, Steven, I got to ask you, uh, what is the most be- being in the music business and a musician? Um, what is the strangest, most curious recording you have in your possession, whether it be an album, like an outtake of a session, uh, what's what's the strangest recording you own?
4: Like that I did, or just like of any album and anything, own, or? anything or anything? both? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. We made some pretty for this score. We made some pretty weird recordings, like things that I'd never done before. There's like, I had I had um bought some deer antlers and like made a bunch of weird clicky, clacky, shaky noises with deer antlers so I I got a bunch of deer antler recordings um (laughs) so good which is pretty weird (laughs) and um uh yeah I guess I don't know that's probably the weirdest probably the weirdest like sounds yeah I mean out like albums and stuff I don't know I I a couple years ago got into the whole vinyl thing and um I I set out with the intention of just like you know buying either stuff that was old or that was not readily available um you know just online and um i remember one of the first albums i bought and i don't know why was this like i think it's called hawaii calls they're just like these hawaiian love songs recorded live on the beach in waikiki in like the 50s or something and i still love it it's just like so strange and random and that's kind of weird i guess i don't know
1: now well, you got to mash up that with the deer antlers. So it's like exactly, Hawaii yeah. Hawaii calls during the fall rut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wait, are, if I uh is the deer antler clingy clangy in this, in the it was ended up being used. It is. It so is, if, yeah, I, it is. if Probably... I play the movie in my car and drive down the road. I'll just go to I'll just go to Minnesota, and we'll, we'll if I go in October, November, would the deer be chasing me because they're they're actually calling because it's the like let's do that. That's another short, yeah. Mike. Let's just do that. There you yeah, I'm go. telling you
2: right now, it's straight up deer antler too. Like I mean, when yeah. when when I, I know that sound I have them by right the way. here.
1: I have them right here. I technically here I technically bucket. know that sound.
2: Yeah, Are they yeah. right
4: behind you. Yeah, they're. I'll get them. They're right. Damn uh... yeah, right, get them.
3: But <laughs> take you so long. I'm surprised we're not deer antlering right now. I don't know. Look at it. here; they are. Yeah, That's,
4: there's a lot of multi-tracked like uh, you know that stuff. There's a, there's a specific scene when uh, Bill Sage's character comes out um, uh, in the when you meet the Foundation for the first time, and uh, there's like this big like I recorded myself doing that like 40 times, and it just goes. Kind of builds to then silence, which is my yeah. favorite thing big loud noises followed by like the most minimal, minimal sound.
2: It's like almost like that a, was one of like the moments like a, like a thumping, like a heartbeat that you can barely hear underneath it. It's just like so, like, it's almost like it makes you lean in a little bit. You're like, Oh my god,
4: <laughs> and then when you strip it all away, it's like, Yeah, yeah, all right. It, but yeah, you, so yeah, dear <laughs> antlers, love it. <laughs> I you're at, like
1: like. Oh my God! I'm it's this like, is suspenseful, uh... and I think I'm going to get attacked by an eight point buck in any second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, but see, Brian, see that goes, Steven, You were kind of, um, you were kind of clowning on yourself a little bit for about you know instruments and music and and relying on the on on, on logic, not logic like as a theory, <laughs> but logic the you know the oh. the the software and using the computer to create sound and music and tones and notes and and harmonies or whatever, right? But see now you you just departed as far as you could from the computer and used deer antlers to make a sound, which became melodic and used in the score. So yeah, I think you made up for just relying on the computer. there. (laughs) So, I mean, that's, that just shows, you know, you know, some, some of that thought process and some, and some really cool, you know, ingenuity or creativity there. So that's rad.
4: Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. It was part of, um, uh, you know, when we got started, I went and bought a couple of just random things, and initially with the idea, like I wanted to buy just some weird shit that, like, you know, maybe the the foundation members like could have made or like just feel of that world and stuff. And so this was what, obviously antlers a, like, weird... and skulls are like a, a big part of the that. So I, now
2: antlers were. Didn't you buy? It was like a weird instrument that you bought. It was like a bowed thing that, like, yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's called. It was like, uh, there was like three, three strings on it.
4: A taggle harpo, which is like a Nordic thing. A tagel harpo? Um,
2: yeah, ha- Taggle harpa.
4: I think is how you call it. Honestly, I don't know. I bought it. I did a little research and bought it what? from some like goth store on on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> this thing,
1: that, dude, that looks scary as shit. That
3: looks,
4: that looks uh, cursed. Right?
1: Yeah, a, ta- um... a taggle harpo. Okay, play that shit. Yeah, I, I want to see try. this. In action. Honestly,
4: it hasn't been tuned, and like it's—it's weird like too. we're gonna know, that, like... like we're
1: gonna know that, Stephen.
4: <laughs> like <gonna> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm using my—I don't know if you guys can hear it or not, but it's just really raw and like.
1: All right. it's, well, meant, to Mike, play, it's, so... it's
4: meant to be played all three, screens, right. Like with drones, and you—it's um, it, going to sound like chaos right now because it's not in tune, but. If you look at videos there's like guys in like dark hoods like in the woods just playing these like really uh you know
1: So Mike I think now we found we found two more elements to our dark room short we found the main instrument that, that will be the score <laughs> and we might have also found the title for the movie We're just going to fucking call it Taggle Harpo. <laughs> <laughs> Taggle Harpa. Harpa. Yeah and just and
2: just and just not even better. Explain, yep. And just no, not explain there's no why.
1: explanation in shorts. Yep, if you can't nope. get it and you asked a question, you got to go. Yep, yep, there it is. <laughs> just absorb, the, just absorb oh. the experience. It's a guy at a dark room that you never see, that creepy-ass sound, and some you name you have no idea. <laughs> We're in. Yes. We're, we've made this there movie. You go um yep. let's totally make
4: that move let's do that no that sounds amazing <laughs> i mean and then you know with mike in the room too it was like okay now i'm taking my antler and i'm plucking my <laughs> tegelharpa strings you know trying to get like the weirdest <laughs> weirdest thing that oh got gosh. to crazy levels of uh yeah experimentation well, yeah
1: the mike and the uh, the production company that's making this short is called taglo antler so it's good taglo antler elbow llc there you go. I love it. That's uh, great. But see, we all yeah. laugh. But this is actually a really cool short.
3: <laughs> but because it hasn't been done, like I'm telling you. So I just watched a movie
1: in the dark. There's nothing happening except for there's so much going on because it's all in your own mind.
3: Yeah, so, And that's the scary. A little bit of visual Yes. And so I I just watched, um, and I've been doing podcasts with the people that did um, Willie's Wonderland, the new Nick Cage movie. And in the the entire movie, Nick Cage is in every scene. However, he has zero lines of dialogue and he just acts with his face. There's – he literally has no lines of dialogue. And so really? it's pretty – I mean – no, it's great. I mean he dances and drinks soda in the movie, but <laughs> that's about it. But I, his character does so much more without saying anything.
1: <laughs> oh, I, yeah, Which you can, which is also a skill and a story element, which is stronger than a whole bunch of fucking words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I ro- – Brian, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, what a sequel story would be with Monster Squad. And yeah. um, uh, we I've joked numerous times that there is a really cool story on someone's laptop and um, it's my laptop, but it's a really cool story. And um, one of my elements in there is Eugene never says anything <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> until like the very end of the, like ever um and i won't give away any of the other reasons why but it's i I really like this story (laughs) and uh but you brought that up with willie's wonderland, like like, he doesn't have any dialogue i was like why is there too there's too much dialogue like there's so much dialogue it's like shut up and and like tell a story sometimes says the guy who talks way too fucking
2: (laughs) (laughs) have you guys have you guys seen that uh that show uh the hbo um uh, it's called Primal. Yeah, the yeah yeah. What? Oh. Is that no the no Nick no. no. One? It, it's an animated. It's animated. Oh no, oh. then I haven't seen it. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Jendi or I, can't, I don't know how to say his name, Jendi Tarkovs, Tarkovsky. Um, I probably butchered that, but um, it's an animated show, and oh, gosh, I I don't want to give too much of it away because like I didn't know anything about it other than my friend saying, Mike, you're gonna love it. It's so absolutely insanely violent with so much heart. And I was like, I'm in. So I turn, I go on, I go on to HBO max and I see, I'm like, Oh, look at that. Oh, look at it. It's only like five episodes long. Like it's literally just like a five or six episode long series. I'm like, cool. Turn it on. And it's, it just starts. It's like, it's this caveman guy, like, you know, like almost like a Neanderthal and he's fishing and, you know, he's not catching anything. I think he catches something and like, he catches the fish and he just like tears it apart and like blood comes out everywhere and he like <clears throat> just eats it. He's sitting there. Not like two seconds later, like a fifty-foot crocodile comes out of the water and tries to eat him. And you're just like, holy <laughs> shit! And you're just like, what the heck is going on? And literally, like, it's it's the best, it is the best way. It's, it's the show that has set itself up in the best way because the rest of the show is all like that. And there's not in five episodes, not one single English language word is spoken. It's grunts oh. and looks the whole yeah. time. And it's li- the movie is li- or the, the, the show is literally about the relationship between a Neanderthal and a dinosaur.
1: And it's all and it's all animated.
2: And it's all animated. And it's just how <laughs> how they become. It's like how they don't like each other, and then they become friends, and then they, they become allies. Like it's and it, it, it's it's so, and it's like absolutely terrifying at times because like you're just like you want them to make it, and every single thing in this world wants to kill them. It seems like, so it's like it's literally like these these twenty five minute episodes that are it's pure survival for the full 25 minutes like there's no no fat it's just how do we how do we survive in a world that's this insane uh it's like one of my favorite things that i've seen so going to the to the dialogue thing um not a damn word and it was probably one of the best like tv show things i've ever seen
1: Ooh, i gotta watch that
2: it's fantastic mean it's so it's so incredibly graphic and like shocking but at the same time so sweet if that makes any sense you're just kind of like <laughs> you just you just like grab your you just like you just hug yourself you're just like oh i just love this and then suddenly like a big giant monster creature comes out and they like stick it with all these things and that like, they <laughs> pop the eyeball and pus goes flying everywhere you're just like, she's so so <laughs> insane, uh, it's great though. It's that's what wonderful. I like. What
1: you can do with animation, and I'm yeah, no animator, great. I just I've always loved animation, and I still like animation. And you can, there's no limit with animation because you can do stuff that you think is crazy and won't work, and it's totally gorgeous, uh, you know, even with storytelling. And uh, we saw, we saw a, a handful of examples of that. I didn't, you, I'm sure. Steven. I don't know. know, uh, I uh, I created a show that um, I ended up selling to Nerdist because they had their own subscription channel at the time called Alpha. And it was called Short Ends. And uh, Ryan Lambert and I co-hosted it. And um, what we did is we showcased short films and short filmmakers. I mean, they didn't have to be short they just made short and they uh, uh. um well look everybody asked me it's like oh you're being biased because you're short. I'm like no n- 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 <laughs> no and so <laughs> I'm telling you the plans I'm hammered um the uh and we we didn't do genre like we had all sorts of stuff and some of the animation stuff that we saw are curated and actually had on the show was fan fucking tastic. it was unbelievable and that's why I'm, a I'm like, I'm in on Prime, I got to go watch that's because it's right up the alley on that because you don't need dialogue to tell cool stories. And the first example that pops in my, there's a little bit, but this is totally the opposite end of your awesome caveman animation uh, to me is Mr. Bean.
3: Yes, yes, Mr. Bean. He tells it, a complete like... story arc and character <laughs> arc. With, with no emotion. dialogue, no dialogue. Critic,
1: it is absolutely yeah. he may go every once in a while and that's it like, mm, thank you <laughs> yes yes
3: well there, that a perfect, genius yeah perfect absolute episode is that i think is when he's about to go on vacation and he's trying to pack yes for vacation and he goes through all the emotions of trying to pack perfectly for the vacation. Like, oh
1: my goodness. Right. <laughs> and his bear has to go with him of course he's got to take his teddy. But uh yeah that's a great example of both polar opposites of that but you you, you I think you have to be a little bit genius to pull it off like in primal like Mike was talking about and you have to be Rowan Atkinson <laughs> to do it in that one with Mr. Bean. Oh my goodness.
3: We got to we we got to make funny. this this uh tangle harpa Film. Sure. Oh my god!
4: Yes, it's genius. I, and it's, I'm telling you, can't, I can't wait to be
1: hear what, what. I'm telling what, you, that's the, the what, title.
4: Can't wait to hear what the word is going to be by the end of this conversation. It's going to just like getting constantly butchered to like uh, um, <laughs> t- 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 the t- tangle Harp It's not. T- yeah, right. You said tangle harpa. It's not, the, tank, not right. Oh, tangle harpa. Tangle I'm harpa. Not you shit. it's yeah. Tangle harpa,
2: <laughs> but it's pretty funny.
1: Oh my uh, goodness, uh, Mike! Crazy. You you are writing this down and storyboarding this movie, right? <laughs> like you're you've been doing that, right? Well, now. Well, the
2: right. storyboarding's done. Don't don't. Okay, worry good, about good. That.
1: <laughs> we're, just it. we're just waiting on we're just waiting on Stephen to write the music. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, we could even do this opposite because, like, we could write the score prior to shooting the movie, and then we have to act towards the score. So,
0: hey,
1: okay, do it opposite. Um, no,
0: that would, that's would way
1: avant garde. Right. That is way avant. That's some that sounds like some upper Midwest shit like you guys could do. That's way off on card. That's way. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, and Steven, uh, let me ask you, is there any particular music moments in film that have always stuck with you? Like a, like a, you know, it could be like, you know, the, the flutes from ET or like that from Terminator or, you know, even rock until you drop from oh, God. monster squad. <laughs> Is there, is there uh, something really,
4: that like picks out? You know, it's kind of it's interesting for me because like I said, you know, I didn't really um, become super aware and into film music until I was like in college. So, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, I can say like, you know, the, the moment when, you know, they Jurassic Park, when they first see the dinosaurs or something like it, you know, that's like such an iconic musical moment. John Williams and love John Williams and all that but I think the moments for me where I really noticed the music was when I was already getting into the details of film music and starting to notice kind of the weird things or wacky things that like spoke to me personally which were like let's see like I don't know like I'm a big fan of like the movie snatch for example and like which is kind of odd because there's like no score it's like all weird songs and stuff but those musical moments in that are like just they're so weird and so just for me like iconic like you know i don't know i guess don't have even a specific moment for that um I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that. I, wish no, but I, I did, The but guy like,
3: Richie does perfectly with like Lockstock and snatch. I really do yeah. think so. Those music moves, even in his trailers when he did like the Apache jump on it song for the trailer for snatch was even perfect.
4: Yeah. I mean like, you know, I I'm coming from a song production and band playing background. So I think my ears kind of gravitated towards that stuff when I was really paying attention, you know, the kind of weirder, Song-based right. stuff,
3: um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know I've asked you about the scenes and movies, Andre. But is there any, a music moment that you like? If it be it, you know, from uh, Red Dawn or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> My man Brian knows
1: I love Red Dawn. Uh, there is there actually it, there actually is good action and, and emotional music in Red Dawn. Y- you know what's funny? I'm going to go since Stevens, our resident kind of composer you know, talent and I am by far not that. Uh I'll go with using um kind of kind of soundtrack, like actual songs like we'd be coded with the two. Uh but I will t- one score that I actually do love, um, and then again, tangent, Blanton's, Gower, um that I do <laughs> like is I love well, I love the movie Molly's Game, and I think the score is fantastic. It's super emotional. It's really good. I was talking uh, dialogue, about
4: that movie earlier today, actually.
1: The dialogue in the movie is great. Obviously, Aaron Sorkin, you can you know like him or not. But it, I love that movie, and I love Chastain and Elba in that. It's a great movie. And there's some really good score in there, which I don't think most people pay attention to. And it it gets me every time. I love it that I have it. Like I have the score on my phone. Like I listen to that as like an album <laughs> uh, cause it's really good score. And I think that's probably, probably, I don't know. It's to even tell me if com- like composers like that, they were like, yeah, someone's downloading my score and listening to it without the movie. That's pretty rad. I think that would, you know, so I try to it's celebrate rad. that. So Molly's game score, I really like, but song wise, two things hit me. Um, one, I was reading an article years ago when um, George Lucas I think he's only made he's made two good movies. He's made uh, Star Wars and um uh American Graffiti. Yes, and, you yes.
2: said it. You said the magic yes. word. And <laughs> so American <laughs> Graffiti. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> so with
1: American Graffiti what I liked about it when he was writing the the movie, or the script, he wrote a song at the top of the page, right? This is the story, I, you know, if 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 I have it correctly and he said I'm writing the scene to that song. Because that's the song that's going to be playing song. And there's like, I don't know, there's like seventy-five songs in that freaking movie, right? Well, so what's news. what's great is genius is because the radio station with yeah. Will Man Jack is you know, is is the is is always going. That's why it's a good movie too. I love the characters and the story. It's a great night. I love you know the you know the I love it. You know, nostalgia, the fifties and the modesto, it's great. But the fact that the movie is actually set during stuff that's happening during a radio show and it's just constantly in the background. Love it. I love that because I love music and I really got into fifties music uh, in the mid to late eighties. Uh, Cause my parents, uh, that's their era. Cause my parents are, they're, a, they're actually a few years older than most of my friends' parents. So all that's fifties music and sixties music and they like the different stuff. And so when I saw American Graffiti for the first time. And then I went back to it and was like, oh, I really like this movie because of the music. And I really like the soundtrack in Dirty Dancing. I really like the soundtrack in Stand By Me. I really like the soundtrack in, you know, what, you know, uh, movies that go back to that era. Um, and then I uh I loved Grease, but Greece was all current, you <laughs> know, almost but mostly current music. Um, except for the Sean all nah stuff, which was 70s stuff that was kind of harkened back to the 50s stuff. Um And uh, ironically, one of my best friends from high school's dad found and developed Sean Anna, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, But I would say probably the first time that I saw that I learned about a movie, I was in 11th grade in Mr. Geica's class at Montclair Prep, and we watched movies all the time. And we watched High Noon, and we had Tex Ritter's title song and it opens the movie and it closes the movie and it comes in and out with different styles. Like that's one really good use. So, um, the, the, the theme song, the Tex Ritter, which is John Ritter's dad in, uh, high noon, uh, is a really cool, powerful song. That's awesome. Oh, that's great.
3: No, no, that's great. (laughs) Not a 40 minute answer. (laughs) No, that was really good. And I just put together American graffiti with the radio station going through the whole movie. Uh, I've got to think like Spike Lee got that uh, idea for do the right thing because the another great radio example, yeah. show is going through the whole movie with the triple truth Ruth yeah you know, Samuel Jackson so oh man that just phew, mind blown yeah uh, I,
1: I hope so that'd be really cool if he did if not he came with own who cares it works anyway is a great element in. As, you know, in a store. Well, I
2: mean, Reservoir Dogs is the same way. You know, K. Billy. You know, it's the, the K. Billy uh, hits of the seventies, like throughout the whole entire show. And it's like they turn the radio on in the warehouse just to hear the. You know what I mean? Like it's, however you could get that music, however you could get that vibe uh, going through those scenes. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Is Is there one for you, Mike? A, a music moment? I re okay. So this is really this is. This is cool, but also awkward, because Andre's on here. Um, um, M- Monster Squad is actually one of the biggest movie music things for me. That and um, uh, Terminator 2. Steven knows about the Terminator 2 one. Um, because, um, so, there's this thing where, like, I will, if I'm, like, on a mission or if I'm, like, doing something and I'm really focused I started doing the T-1000 theme.
0: Yeah.
2: And I wanted, like, when I was now able to, like, make movies and get a score made for him, I was like, I want that sound in my movies, too. <laughs> Cameron can't have it just for himself. Um, and so we did that a little bit in domestics, and we did that a little bit in Wrong Turn. Um, and so, yeah, that was that. Um But yeah, there was something very almost sound design, um, like about the the Terminator 2 soundtrack that I just, I could never get over. Like I saw that movie when I was like 12 years old. You know, I wasn't allowed to see it, but my dad let us watch it because we were over at my cousin's house and they were watching it. So he's like, fine. And then we watch it and he loves the movie. That's one of his favorite movies. And so there's like a lot of Terminator 2 love and like the music, like I bought the, the album on vinyl and I would always listen to the, I always like skim YouTube and try to find the, 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 the pieces of the score by Brad Fidel. And, um, but anyway, that one always stuck with me and that one like is a super inspirational, um, a bit of, uh, of music for when I'm going in and scoring my stuff for some reason, it's always in the back of my mind, like just those sounds and, um, and uh, some of those weird drones, because they're not just like the the airy drones that kind of hang. It's like, you know, like that moment when uh, T-1000 is chasing John Connor and he's coming down the stairs and John Connor is trying to start his motorcycle. He's like, come on, come on. And you keep cutting the T-1000, getting closer and he's coming down the stairs. You have this weird like, like it's like a warped metal sound, but it's like also like a like a water uh, gong kind of thing or you know it's like all these it's very strange very metallic very again very sound design um i'm also going to say monster squad because um i it was interesting like one of one of the sound um one of the scores that i brought to nathan barr when we were doing domestics even though domestics doesn't sound anything like the bruce Broughton uh sound uh score um i was just i just had to tell nathan i was just like Nathan, here's some tracks from Monster Squad. I love the way it makes me feel. <laughs> 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 like, I straight up love the way that this shit makes me feel. And I would, like, so I was, I was very into, like, uh, some of the, uh, the high-pitched stuff when you know, he would like... <laughs> you know, and he had this way of, of, you know, creating this sort of playful tone making it actually feel very terrifying now granted monster squad has is is a i always i, have, I consider it a, a super dark kids movie because I, I feel like that's that's kind of what it is at its heart um and i and i at the age that i saw it i had never seen those monsters being that mean before like you know you saw dracula and the wolfman those movies in like the old school movies but they didn't seem like they were doing that bad of stuff like even though, yeah, they were, like, killing people and stuff, but you didn't really see it and in this movie, man. Like, Wolfman's, like, taking cops, and he's, like, breaking their necks and, like...
0: Yeah, there's Dracula's... a body count. There's yeah. a body count and yeah. the kids' Dracula- movie. I yeah, mean, it's exactly. Insane.
2: No, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and so, but, like, I'll never... Like, I would I, I, I could never, ever get those moments out of my mind, but whenever I would think of those moments, I could never stop putting the music in those moments and so um so so yeah that's always been with me and so um when i I was when they finally released because this was years before they came out with the monster squad soundtrack you know and before it was even a thing and i was like i would like look everywhere and i would like search online like is there any variation of this does anybody have any like the original recordings of like or like they ripped recordings off or whatever and then finally youtube had like a like a like a medley of like some of the stuff that Broughton did. so I just like, I ripped that off of YouTube and I would listen to that all the time. And then finally they came up with the vinyl and would play that all the time. And then um, I, so this, this, and this kind of harkens back to what we were just talking about, about you, uh, Andre, I think you were saying about, you can listen to some, some scores and you know exactly where you are in that movie. Yeah. And, and 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 so what i would do so my son he's five and this was when he was i think he just turned four maybe he was just just on the on the outskirts of four turning four and um you know him and i we love to listen to records and so i'm bringing them up on vinyl and you know we got all the 50s and 60s stuff 45s as you can see over here on, on this shelf here and so we're always listening to that stuff and i got you know the albums upstairs so we put put the platters on and we're listening to that stuff and then you know we're listening to, to to movie scores and i get this idea and i'm just like i can't show him monster squad right i mean i saw monster squad when i was probably like eight years old but i feel like like i had shown murray some kind of scary stuff when he was younger and, and it, it didn't go over very well with him like he had some nightmares <laughs> and i felt pretty bad about it um but I was like, but I can do something here because I feel like I want to give him the Monster Squad experience. So what we did was we put the seaside because there's two discs in, in the Monster Squad. Album, we put the seaside on and we started it. Uh, I started it right when um, we basically played the entire seaside. I think we missed the first track because it, it's nothing super exciting going on. But we started it right when you guys are driving the car and the mummy jumps on the back.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and so we started there and i though for the first time i just reenacted that from there all the way to when the wolfman when when uh, rudy shoots the wolfman i reenacted the whole movie from that point to that point in our (laughs) living room for my four-year-old son right and he was just like whoa because I'm like telling him a story while there's music going on you know so I'm like oh my gosh and then and then he takes it and he wraps it around the arrow and he goes like this He goes, and then it hits a tree you know (laughs) and and so he's just like listening and he's like just completely taken by this and so then he would want me to do it again so you know the next day he's like uh monster let's do monster and I'm like I'm like all right let's do some monster so we put it on again and then he starts to like join in with me and he starts to be like, okay, okay, okay. So And so and then we find a toy to be like the amulet and, and like all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we're literally like, you know, we're like sneaking through. I'm like, okay, we got to be quiet. We go up there. Oh my gosh, look it. It's Dracula. But he's like partially formed. And he's like, yeah. and then he's going to throw the dynamite at him. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the wolf man. And you just, I'm looking at my, my, my son's face and he's just sitting there just like, he's taking it all in and he's just like you can see his gears turning and then the wolfman comes and he attacks him and he twists him down and then suddenly here he comes and then I was like hey you looked you know and then you hit him and then he blows up in a million pieces outside and then Marie's just like oh my gosh but but he's not dead is he? I'm like he's not <laughs> <laughs> and it got to that point where I mean we would just keep doing this and then he he could literally, we we did it so many times that he, I was like, all right, bud, you take it now. And he would just, he would take me through it all the way to like, when we're like, Rudy's freaking like shooting the vampire chicks in the chest and like, oh my gosh, it was just like, I mean, I'm telling you right now. So it's just, it's super cool that like, I'm able to like say this and like, you're listening to this, but like, honestly, like those are the two scores to me that like have always always resonate with me they always are in the back of my mind whenever I'm creating and uh, yeah uh, I'm definitely one of your (laughs) fanboys on your documentary because like that was a that was a huge it it, it was a huge deal growing up like Monster Squad like we like yeah I'd saw I'd seen the Goonies and I saw Monster Squad and I honestly like Monster Squad was so much cooler for me like I was just like I was a monster kid I would write journals in my kindergarten notebook about the wolf man killing somebody and he had blood all over his face and my parents were worried of course but like these were all these things that like I got to see all of my favorite characters these monsters all on the screen at the same time and I got to watch kids that were my age you know trying to fight them how cool is that And it it did like it changed. It It, it did. It made such an, such an impression. And I I do feel like it has a lot to do with why I went off and wanted to make movies. And there's my life story.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, that's what, uh, now if I had known Mike's story like three years ago, I would have, sat him down and put him on camera to tell that story with murray because that's the type of stuff we wanted in the documentary of how it impacts someone and then passes on and it's very interesting i mean that's a fabulous story and now what's going to happen is i'm just going to come to your kind of basement lair and we'll do it together <laughs> yeah. like murray just needs to hang out let's just do <laughs> let's just do that right oh Murray's
3: um, so never seen the movie right I was going to say, that's going to be wild when
2: you show him. And that's what I, I'm I'm looking forward to that moment. I'm looking forward to this moment when it will get to that part in the movie where the mummy jumps on the back of the car. And I'm just going to be sitting there watching him. And just to see his reaction, because I guarantee you, he's going to be like, wait a minute, what, what? why do I know this?
1: Yeah, it's going to be imprinted because it imprints on kids. But that's yeah. a yeah, that's a perfect example, Brian, like we talked about, you know, when we were actually talking about the documentary, um, of why and how this movie, "The Monster Squad," impacted people and and why, how, and for for how long. And that's a fantastic example. I mean, this is, this is the reason like these stories don't I don't like these stories, I keep hearing them, and that's a fantastic, awesome story. And that's, you know, I think you asked and usually everybody asks when we're talking about the doc on a podcast or an interview of, you know, why did you do this? And, you know, I mentioned before, it wasn't a making of it wasn't like, oh, I want someone to see me on camera because I'm in this movie way too much. And it, it was about those stories. And it was over years after the resurgence and kind of conventions and festivals and screenings and meeting people all over the place and then hearing stories like Mike's. I realized that everybody's store, those stories were a story. And I wanted to tell that story. I didn't want to talk about it, Also the movie, but I want to talk about this impact of people. Cause I don't know any other film that impacted people like this. Now I could just be inside baseball and inside this bubble, of course, of monster squad. And I'm very cognizant of that, but I paid attention. Like I go to these huge conventions and I go like, people are fans. They're Spider-Man fans. They're Marvel fans. They're scream fans, whatever monster squad fans are connected and tethered to this movie in a different way. And I don't, I didn't know how and why. And that's what we wanted to look into in, in, in making this doc. And I wanted to interrogate that. And I understand it in, 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 on a whole other level. And that's, cool. that's what we tried to convey in the movie. And the problem with the documentary is it's only, uh, we trimmed it. We, um, uh, uh, Brian, when we were there at Fantastic Fest shooting and we built the treehouse and the highball and all that, mm-hmm. uh, that's all we cut that. <laughs> that's all that's actually all an extra feature, uh, a bonus feature now, but uh, we cut it for a couple different reasons. Um, but uh, only is time. So the movie's like 87 minutes, uh, and there's only so many stories you can put in there. Because I wanted to put every single person stories I know in this movie, we'd have like an 11-hour documentary. We'd be like mm-hmm. In Search of Darkness, but just only Wolfman. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Which, they had two versions of In Search of Darkness. There's like 38 hours of In Search of Darkness. Um, and good grief, I'm in some of that. So I I don't even, I haven't watched all my stuff yet. I hope I don't sound like a total goob in that movie. Uh, but David, you know, David Weiner, who made that's a cool dude. Um, but that's what these stories are about. And I think that's how movies impact people. And I'm only telling it from something that I'm inside of and see from this side of the table of how monster squad fans were impacted by it. And then what's this movie has left because they're showing it. There's a whole second generation of monster squad fans now, or people that know it, or kids that know it. And I mean, the thing that blew my mind is I met, you know, one of the first conventions we went to back in the olden days, uh, when conventions were cool, um you know there was a fan that came and she was about like I thought we had to get some hot towels and some warm water because she was about to get you know have her baby at this convention floor, and then she's like this is and she wore a shirt and had like an arrow was like future monster squad fan like on her shirt, mm-hmm. and then you know she posted you know this kid gets born and like five years later I meet this kid at the next at the next time we're in town for that convention, and I'm like this isn't ins- like, this is so unique to me, but I think it's very unique in kind of fandom and in, 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 in movies anyway. And that's what we want to make. It. So, you know, enough of that, but you know, go rent or download Wolfman's gotten arts and wrong term 6. you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Or the, or the domestics, like this is what it's all about. You got to I'll I'll be the greedy bastard and shamelessly plug our movies. Mike, don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I do I do have to throw one more in there and you know because because we're talking a little bit about wrong turn and because what there's there's also a very cool and um Brian we I think we we touched a tad bit on this on the on the last um, um uh podcast that we did but um uh th- there there is a uh, there's a composer that um uh his name is Charles Bernstein <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Stephen knows him, <laughs> which I think is just rad. Um, but um, he did, uh, you know, obviously he did, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, and he just, uh, you know, as Stevens has said, like he's he kind of created the '80s like horror movie like sound that you know that synth-y, uh sound, and 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 it, and it's just wild, and it, and it's you know obviously carried on until now to you know the people who have been trying to make you know throwback movies and are using that same sound um there's a movie called the entity and um that he did the the score for and and it's it's a it's a crazy movie but the the music in it i think is is really special and and again it like plays into that like those high-pitched strings that are super minimalistic but then it also plays on this like this like these hard piano keys which didn't you say it was how did he do that again Stephen or did he remember yeah was
4: it he, like- he wasn't even like it was so funny how like we're just like dialed into like these specific sounds and I asked him some specific questions I'm like how did you do this thing and how did you do that and he's like I don't remember I think I had some like tacks still in the piano keys from like a previous movie that I did so I was just like hitting on all the piano keys really hard and it's like, you know, it's so simple in his eyes or like some specific sound, that little um that little high ding, ding,
2: ding thing. Yes. Yeah, so, OK, like, so, uh, yeah, some yeah. sample
4: thing that he had, you know, it was like so not a big deal for him. And these sounds are like so special to us
2: well, well, <laughs> and influencing and it's so, a lot. Well, because like because like they have literally, you know, us as, this, as the as the as the movie watchers have watched these movies growing up and they like you hear a sound like that and it just like you remember the first time you heard it and it just like you, you do this you know and then you'll never forget that feeling that experience and so like that just that never leaves you and so yes those moments that like maybe the you know obviously Charles did like yeah, I don't know. I, I just plucked something. I, I don't know. You're just like, oh my gosh, but you have no idea what it's done to me.
4: <laughs> I know. It's, so, I know. it's so
2: and, and then, you know, it's cool that Stephen got to ask him. Yeah, he didn't necessarily know, like, how the sound was made, but Stephen went and figured out a way to, like, create that sound, and we put that in the movie. Like, there's this great, he he found, like, the way to do it. and it's, and it is in, like, in my you know, own I, way,
4: you know, whatever yeah. you can And even can when do. I hear
2: it in, 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 in our movie, I get a very similar like feeling in my body when I hear it there. And I just, to me, that's super exciting that like, you know, there's that translation. There's like that, like, you know, it's, it comes full circle. It's like this sound that maybe nobody would ever think twice about. And, you know, even Charles was probably just like, I don't know. But like, for me, it was just like, Oh man, now I get to bring that into, into my film and and get to use it in that way. And, And it just, it just makes me incredibly happy. I don't. I don't know how else to describe it. It just, just does.
1: Well, we're totally. gonna be we're gonna be saying that exact same thing in the subsequent year. Like people will be like, Stephen, you know, how did you make this? thing? He's like, you know, I don't remember. I think it was some deer antlers, and you know, now a it's just become my thing. thing. And he's yeah, Hang he's gonna be. Antler. <laughs> you're, you're gonna be like, you know, at your Golden Globes acceptance speech on the side, you know, for winning like Score or something, and you'd be like, deer antlers yeah it's my secret no i, I call it i own it no one can steal it if you do then you're a biter and i'm the original so <laughs> i'm calling it now i'm trademarking that's the Stephen who catch thing like don't steal like you can use it but you're but you're a biter he he this is his. there you go uh, and just just you. make sure you invite me to the golden globes that night too so i can go uh, deal <laughs> deal so I, can, so I can go um but, you know, what would be cool? Actually, what we'll do. Yeah, I think with, you know, with our. Um, It'll I be think for the future version of soon. this short. Right.
4: That's yeah, so what I mean. I think that we're going to be
1: together to... getting awards for our short. Our uh, Right. The fuck's it called again? Thera- Th- Th- Thermopylae Harpa. Harpa? What is it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thermopylae
1: Harpa. There it is. What is it? <laughs> tangle Harpa, right? Tangle Harpa. Tangle Taggle. Not Tangle, Brian. Taggle? What am I saying? Taggle oh yeah.
3: tangle harpa. that's text, the way yeah. i talk in texas tangle
1: <laughs> hey man don't get all tangled <laughs> Tangle. oh man we went to the bar and these girls they got all tangled up on lone star
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness no we really need to do this uh oh, this. i think we need to make this sure like i'm ready like i've been itching to not just stay in the house so it's like, <laughs> let's go let's go put me in a like a 10 by 10 room in the dark perfect what's the what's the difference it's a pandemic movie. Let's so fucking make it. It's, yes. There you go. That is That's awesome. Funny.
3: Well, uh, this was so much fun, everyone. Uh, this is a great show. Thank you to Andre, Mike, and Steven. Uh, starting with Stephen, please, the in the vein of your favorite pro wrestler, tell everybody where they can find you online.
2: Guys, <laughs> oh, this is going to be oh,
4: good. Shit. Oh, wow promo i'm so bad at promo i mean i've just um i'm not really i don't have a big online presence maybe instagram's probably the best bet which is just my name at stephen lucatch um website com, and that's probably your best bet for me i will plug speaking of listening to soundtracks outside of the film that actually the wrong turn soundtrack just came out today so that's exciting heck yeah Mm -hmm. go check it out yeah nice
3: heck yeah Mike. Anywhere
2: you can stream music, Yeah.
3: heck yeah! Where can they find you?
2: I mean, best place is probably just, probably just the Instagram. Like that's where I post most of my stuff. If you want to find out things about me or what I'm working on, I'll post little tidbits here and there, and and that, that's about it. So,
3: and Andres on MySpace. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's friendster brian it's friendster. it's
3: friendster and orcut
1: that's right, that's right i'm old enough to be so on friendster
3: old. i am old enough to have a friendster account damn it <laughs>
1: um well i'm the only one that's gonna do it as yes pre- i am I, uh, ready let's, let's see um uh, oh, brother Ooh. well let me tell you something brother if you want to find me on social media it's uh at andre gower <laughs> official on instagram and, uh, ooh, at and Andre Gower on Twitter.
4: Yes. Yes. I love that. Yes. Yes. Well wonderful. Done.
3: Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, uh, Wolfman's Got Nards is everywhere. Wrong Turn is everywhere. Please, those movies. And I'm very happy. Uh, Wrong Turn's got great reviews. And Wolfman's Got Nards, I believe, still is at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: As, as, as of yesterday, it was, which is cool. So, um you know, if you want to chip in and do some audience, you know, reviews and bump it up a little bit, we don't, I think we just don't have that many, so we we need some people to help the audience score. But, uh, I'll but, go on to, rot to Rotten
3: Tomatoes and sign on and just give that a down no, no,
1: vote. That's the shameless <laughs> ask, right? yeah. like, Here's what's wrong about today, right? Mike and Steven is like, we make movies and it's about what fucking Rotten Tomatoes says about it. <laughs> Wait a minute, our careers are dependent on, uh, is it a fruit? I, is, it uh, is, it sees, is it a fruit? Is it a vegetable? Got seeds, man. No. <laughs> I'm like, like right now.
3: I You know, Rotten, it doesn't matter to me. However, I do know that it's a very rare occasion where something is 100%, and that's something to talk about.
1: You know, it. It apparently it is, and we're very fortunate enough to... Um, uh, I, You know, every time we talk about it, I feel like we jinx it. And then some kind of going to go, watch this shit. That's what I'm going to do after I'll be this. the, di- I'll be the dinger. I'll be the ding and drop them out of 100%. But, uh, hey, you know what? Whoever that is, I've got the screen caps. So, meh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
1: it. Wonderful, wonderful. And look, don't think I didn't send those screen caps when we're doing, like, international deals and sales agent shit right now, which, which we are. So, hopefully, like, we are... Uh, uh brian we mentioned it earlier like i think we're um of course i jinx it because I, I don't want it, my lawyers to hear this or my student partner but our, our international sales agency agreement should be very close to being done and hopefully other countries get it because uh, i know they're all wanting to get their hands on it so um oh that's great yeah. uh, everybody oh, put some vibe out for the lawyers like get it done get it done, <laughs> and we're trying to get it done Here, by the I end of it. the week yes <laughs> there it
0: is yeah Stephen
1: comes through with the genius again uh because berlin berlin started berlin so we're, oh, nice. we, we'd actually like to be talked about at berlin also uh, uh oh, cool man anyway yeah so no i appreciate it thanks for uh inviting me to the last minute sorry i sorry i crashed your party tonight <laughs> but, no so, i'm so happy about it you did good fun.
2: okay so when i first came on, on when i first signed into this this, this zoom chat here I'm like, oh, look at oh hey, what's up, Brian? Yeah, cool oh like Steven I'm like, I'm like who's this who is <laughs> And then like and then like I, I, I'm like and then so uh, so I don't know if, if Brian told you, but the the thing on the last podcast that we did was he was like he goes, oh man, he goes, next time we get to you just watch i'm i'm gonna, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring Andre on. I'm just going to totally freak you. I'm going to, I'm going to freaking blow your mind. I'm just like, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. That's great. That's great. And sure enough, I come on here. I'm like,
1: no, (laughs) that's great, man. I love it. See, it helps to know cool people like Brian has nothing to do with me. It's all about Kluger. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, that's good.
3: Oh, this was fun, guys. I feel like we just need to do these midnight chats quite a bit. Just it's for you. It's
1: quarter to 9 for me and I'm shit faced and I'm going to go watch SVU and Clarice right now. So it's fun. It's
3: great. <laughs> My god, Andre, can you just what? live tweet your NCIS stuff? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's late at night. Oh, my God. Uh, as I just admitted again, I am a sucker for network tentpole procedurals. So although Clarice isn't technically a, it is, it's a semi procedural, but it's well done. If you're a Silence of the Lambs fan. Yeah. This new show That's is a new actually, one, right? Yeah. yeah, it's actually really good. She is fantastic. She is really good. That. Uh, even Dorothy likes it. So I'm going to go watch Clarice with Dorothy, who happens to be my mom. So it's, that's me. why I'm over here okay. doing that. Cause it's uh, we watch them. I'm I've been curating like a pandemic taking care of your mom uh, film festival kind of because oh. she doesn't know how to use streaming. So she only watches movies on TNT, which is awful. <laughs> <laughs> and It's like, you know, uh, so we have like this whole, like, I've been just curating like a Dorothy film festival. <laughs> It's amazing. So and it goes from everywhere, like uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the Ben Stiller one, which I actually dig. She liked it, and oh, we I just love w- that movie. I love that movie. I love and that freaking movie. We, great we score. Just watch. It is a good score, and it's a great visual movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, so we from Walter Mitty to uh, Cats, the new one, not the Butthole Cut. Um, to uh, <laughs> speaking of that's weird, and um, the, um, we're about to get the Butthole Cut, and uh, the. Uh, to once upon a time in hollywood dorothy just watched once upon a time in hollywood
2: so. oh and that's another one i just like i've seen that movie i I think i've seen it eight or nine times and it's a long-ass movie but like i couldn't <laughs> stop watching like i got the i got the, the screener for it when it came out And I, of course i saw it in the theater three times and and uh but then like i got the screener and i just like i just put it on it was just always something it was just it's just you know what it, it did it reminded it was like it was like um it was Tarantino doing the Hollywood version of American graffiti. Like it was just yeah. great music, like actors doing their thing, all these weird moments that somehow all tied together and they all kind of find themselves in one crazy predicament or one you know, making, or making one decision at the end, you know, and obviously in American graffiti, we know what that is, but in this, it was, you know, had to deal with the Manson thing. And you're just like, gosh, I just love movies like that. And they, they don't make them, they don't make movies like that very often. And it's special to see such a great character driven piece like that.
1: Yeah. It's it, a and, period right. piece too. It, yeah. Know? And it's a period piece. It's an LA thing. It, yeah. The problem with once upon a time is it's actually bothersome to some people that are from LA, like our LA natives like myself, because when they're driving, that's not where they are. And you're like, you're wrong. <laughs> you're like, that's not where you are. Like you were just in the Valley. Now you're at ho- you're at sunset. And like, you're getting on the, the sunset, av- you know, sunset, 170 off ramp there's gower boulevard and then you're going to the valley but you were already <laughs> past that that doesn't work uh and you're going to Chatsworth. you know it's great but it, you know if you're from the valley in chatsworth you know that's where i grew up and is in the north end of the valley but uh it really is kind of a uh, it's an interesting it's a thing but you just mentioned something mike is i know we're trying to wrap up brian but you know no, you we're all good man be, you let's made me drink three. whiskey no uh, we're going uh, up in three hours man we're doing henry rollins here let's do it we um or Tarantino. Um, yeah you're talking about characters and letting the actors do what they do. Yeah. There was dialogue, but in, in current or even original like reservoir dogs, but like, there's so much extra space in every shot or scene in a Tarantino movie, but he just lets them like do stuff. Yeah. And like, you never get in and like, you never see like, there's just long shots that most filmmakers be like, we got to cut here and get the fuck out. He just goes, keep going. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's still like, just draw it out. And, well, and like, I, they go to the yeah. Spawn Ranch and Brad Pitt just staring at and walking. That's a long that's a long scene. Uh you know, or a long segment. And you're like, but it's it's what it feels like if you were actually doing what you're around in Moccasins and Chatsworth. I'm
2: telling I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, I I could have I could have watched a half an hour of just Brad Pitt driving in a cool car. Like yeah. the way like I mean it it, it was it was and w what was really cool. So uh um our uh the the A D um, on domestics was um, Bill Clark who's Tarantino's AD and uh, he of course had dozens of stories oh, that we got to hear every day and it was amazing and I just loved that guy to death um, but I was able to talk to him in in, in uh, you know recently about you know once upon a time in Hollywood and I was just like man I was like man the, the driving shots like you're just like you're literally just in a car with Brad Pitt and there's music playing and there's lights going by and I am just like I could have watched like a half hour of that and he was like yeah. He's like, believe me, we've, we shot probably a movie's worth of Brad Pitt driving in a <laughs> I'm car. Sure. And I'm just like, that's so freaking nuts. Where is yeah. that
1: on the extras? That, yeah, that should yeah. be a whole other yeah. movie. But what's interesting, you mentioned Brad Pitt driving around and the, the key thing you said was in a cool car. And what I don't think, I, I want to know if this was intentional or not. It, it kind of wasn't a story, but that's such an LA thing and such an industry thing. Because that's not his car. It's about the car you drive in L. That's not it's his fucking car. Cool. No. And he doesn't pick up the cute hippie chick in his beater. I mean, he might actually, she's just hitching a ride, but driving around L.A. in whatever cool cars, that was like a, you know, a 66, you know, Coupe or Coupe de Ville or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, El Eldorado. And you're like, enough, like, it's about driving not your car in L.A. This is my <laughs> boss's car. And oh, like, like you need assistants or PAs or mailroom guys or, you know, writer's assistants. And they're like, oh, I'm when I'm driving my boss's car and I'm going down La Siena, Yeah, I'm leaning back. I got the window down like I'm like I'm the shit it's like you don't know. I've got like an old VW rabbit rusting in my apartment in, you know, in Burbank.
0: <laughs> and exactly. but, and
1: that, that's what struck me is he gets to drive around in a brand new Cadillac. Yeah. When he has a piece of shit and yeah. lives in the valley at the drive-in, which would be kind of cool. But <laughs> so Mike, when Mike comes
4: to LA, he's, uh, he's, he's known for his, uh, he likes a little muscle car rental action when he's in town. Every time it's- I see Mike, he's like rolling up in this like specked out, <laughs> like charger with like racing stripes, and like, whatever.
2: I just go, <laughs> I
1: just seeing, say, you know, let's do it. He's in his own Tarantino movie. Nice. Well, oh, Mike, next funny. time you come to LA, we got to ride around in a car and just hang out. Let's Too do much. that.
2: Let's freaking do it! I'm I'm totally into it. Like that's that's what we can
4: we can go drive and go to Muso and Frank's and
2: oh yeah. But 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 literally like so like when I am in between like if when I'm out there I'm usually there for meetings and like when I'm in between meetings, like that's why I love to get like a cool car like something that has a little bit of umph or something that's that's a little bit you know a little spicy because. I just get out on the roads and I just freaking drive. I don't get, like, I'll get on the highways, but then I come off on an exit and I come, and then somehow I find myself and I'm up on Mulholland Drive and I'm weaving <laughs> around there. Then I hit Laurel Cannon It's it's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll go cold water this time. Like, there's just, you just mess around and you're just going down and you kind of taking the curves a little bit too fast. And it's just, there's just such a romanticism to it because, like, you know where you are. You know what this, you know the place that you're at, what this place, what this world out here means. And uh you're in a cool car and you're driving through the, the through the mountains, you're you're or you're, you're taking a cruise through the hills and you're just like damn.
1: Look, look! at This guy. He's like yeah. a native, Steve And He's like, ah, oh, it's like cold water today. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, like I've been guy.
4: here. I've been here ten years, and I still go on those drives sometimes. Like it's oh, um, I, it's, it's not I, locked I, in I, either.
1: You, I grew up in the backseat of a car, you know, because I lived in the North End of Valley, and you have auditions every day for most of your life, and until you're driving, someone's driving you around. It's usually your mom or your dad, and. So I know how to get everywhere in LA, and I know what t- you know, now it's totally different. There's just traffic all the time. It used to be traffic hours back in the day, but yeah, you know, get off of here, take Franklin, you know, don't take cold, you know, you take cold water here, but going this way, that way, never take the 405 ever, and you know, things like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, so actually, it's like, yeah, I like to drive, but you're right, there is a, a romanticism, and it's because we've it's a natural kind of draw but we've also been conditioned as shit watching the movies that we watch sure. to get in a car and drive around la yeah because everybody you know the la was the the, the city that the you know that built the car it was built for the car um which and i hate to i hate to kill the romanticism of it but actually the you know everybody's like why don't we have rail or light rail or heavy gate or all this. we don't have public transportation in LA. And the secret behind that is because post-war in the Valley, GM and Goodyear built a plant in Van Nuys and they paid the county to tear up all of the rail track, all over LA county. So people would buy cars and tires because that's why you don't have any rail in LA. It was there, know it was that. there for decades. Wow. But um, there used to be a trolley up and down Ventura Boulevard, which like, why is that not still here? Um, and then oh, we, build hey, a sub- we build a subway and it doesn't go to the airport. I don't, whatever. I'm like, what the fuck?
2: Well, like, like, uh, I mean, you look at like Roger Rabbit, like that whole thing is like, we're going to tear out the the streetcar and we're going to build a freeway. And yeah. God, it's gonna be glorious. <laughs> That's
1: it's, it's a tr- Roger Rabbit is a true story, by the way. It's not just a cartoon <laughs> yeah. with you know a rabbit and a and a hot and a hot hot looking female lead. It's uh, it's a true story about how L- L.A. was built. So uh, it's uh, it's interesting. The uh, yeah. L.A. is unlike anywhere. Everybody loves New York, and New York's got its own thing. I used to I used to complain about New York and never want to live there. I like to visit. I don't want to live there because I'm from L.A. Mm -hmm. And very few LA people move to New York. It's usually the other way around. (laughs) They usually come out and it's the weather and it's the vistas and it's the people and it's the views. And um, most everybody's a transplant. But when you're a native, you're part of this club Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's a whole other thing. And, um, and then like when Mike gets to come and hang out and drive around in a, in a Mustang or something like that, it's pretty (laughs) rad. Um, yeah. and, but that's, what's enjoyable. It really is. And you end up on Mulholland. I mean, how many movies have we watched that have been on and or music videos or TV shows? And, yep. uh, I love watching stuff that takes place in LA because I look for buildings and houses and places that I know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and well, that's what we it. do.
1: And my, my favorite show of all time, uh, that, that, well, my favorite show of all time is ER, but my favorite show that does that is emer- the old paramedic show emergency. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a really kind of, if you watch the filmmaking of that show, it's pretty fucking rad from 1971 to 70s, like handheld and following guys and like actual fires and exploding. It's insane. Uh, And it was during the paramedic program, but they go all over the, they go all over the city, but they're mostly in the valley. And I lost my shit one time watching the show because it was, they showed an apartment building that I drove by every day and they went and I was like, Oh my God, I know that building. And so I love to watch their stuff all the oh, time and, and see where people are. And that's, what's neat about LA also, because you recognize, you know, landmarks and, and, and the mountain and, you know, Griffith Park Hill and, 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 the yep. Hills, and you just notice everything. Yeah. And we don't get that most anywhere else, you know, Midwest, it's a little flatter, uh East Coast, it's all trees, you know, it's like it all looks the same. But LA is definitely unique yeah. um for for many reasons. <laughs> some are good and some are bad. But um Brian, another example of a tangent. You can cut all that out too. So it's
3: Oh hey man. This is
1: good stuff. <laughs> but you got talking about LA and like Steven's there and like Mike likes to go. Um I don't know. I'm still deciding where we're shooting this movie. Tagle- Sheboygan Tagle Harpa. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Sheboygan.
2: Sheboygan. There you go.
1: I mean, storyboard I say the shit. So, how
4: did you did you read that somewhere? That I'm from there. Where did you? What Sheboygan? Sheboygan. Did you say Sheboygan? I, I did. Sheboygan. Are you from I'm Sheboygan? Fr- I'm from Sheboygan. I do my research. Yeah. Okay. I know, like, I, I, you, get... I know that you like Flume too. Oh wow! Nice. <laughs> well, I don't even know where this is coming from, but cool. Oh my gosh. I am Sheboygan. R- 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 yeah, I thought that was a random thing, which Sheboygan shows up randomly in a lot of places. But uh, that was going to be extra.
1: Well, mostly it's special. fun to say, isn't it? Yeah, it's right. To- it's really fun to say. Totally.
4: It is good. That's great. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> do,
3: do the research. I, uh, before I interview people, minus Andre, I
1: just do my research. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to research it. Trust me, I don't, don't want to dig that hole. I don't want to dig into that. I don't want to know <laughs> what I'm going to find. What the hell? Like, why is he wearing a circus outfit? What the fuck?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. This was this was so much fun, guys. Thank that you works. so much for Thanks, joining me. Andre, thank you so much for coming on. At oh, last uh,
1: are we gonna are we gonna start podcasting now? Are we gonna, oh yeah, let's do, let's start. Okay. Three,
0: two.